0: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
1: (laughs) Quiet upstairs!
0: The SPN Roundtable on the Sports Podcasting Network.
1: And welcome to the SPN Roundtable. I'm Dwayne Rollins along with Kevin Laramie and joining us today is our special guest, our longtime favorite from the Two Salties podcast and Two S Extra and many of our other soccer shows, Rudy Schuler from Gaul. Rudy, how you doing? I'm um, not too bad. How are you guys? We're going to talk about non-sports today though, Rudy. So you're, you're good with that? You're good with a little Raptors talk? I know you're an old Raptors fan, aren't you? Yes, yeah, since
2: 1995 or whenever it was they started. Was it 95? 94,
1: yeah. 95? Ninety-five, because I was in university. I remember buying tickets from the Shoppers Drug Mart and uh, going to the first ever game.
2: <laughs> I got a T-shirt uh, when I was in grade ten, so I guess yeah, that's about right. That just yep. shows, it just shows you're older than me. So
1: yeah, well, you know, I'm older than everyone pretty much at this point. Well, not everyone, but my parents are older than me. I think. And I'm younger too. Yeah, so. yeah, I think that's how it works. Uh, Kevin, haven't haven't said hi to you though. How you doing, Kevin? How, how how's Raptor
0: Fever up there in Montreal? <laughs> it's actually pretty high, to be honest. Like. At uh, my workplace over the last two weeks, people that never talked about basketball, people that never watch basketball, I've actually stopped watching the TV and like being absorbed for for minutes on and it's something we don't see here usually.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Montreal's never. I, I used to play basketball in high school and I we'd always go up for a tournament in Montreal and it was really kind of a minor sport in that city back then. Um, from my memory, anyway. So you're telling me that uh, that there is a greater interest. You, you see more kids playing in Montreal and stuff like that too.
0: Yeah, a lot. Uh, a lot of kids playing. A lot of, uh, of the gear too. But I think it's the culture. I think it's what the NBA was able to do over the last twenty years: change the culture, get the uh, the graphics, the the music. Everything included with basketball feels different than the other sports. And the generation, millennial generation, even younger, uh, the rap, hip-hop generation, all those uh, DIY generation, that those generations actually flocked to the NBA because that product was closer to what they wanted than all the other sports. So over the last 20 years, there's a huge basketball fan base in Montreal. Like every time the Raptors come here a year, it's sold out for two, three games. And yeah, a lot of people love basketball.
1: It's, it's interesting. Uh, even when I was going back in high school, so, you know, as we just established, I'm older. Uh, that's, that's, I'm not ancient, but you know what I mean. Uh, even then, it was kind of counterculture for a lot of people, and it was, like, youthful, and it's always sort of been the next, always been youthful, you know what I mean? Like, it always attracts the younger crowd. If you go down to Jurassic Park here in Toronto to watch those games, uh, it is very young crowd down there, a very male crowd, too. But uh, I
0: hate that expression, I have to say. Jurassic, Jurassic- Park? What is it, 92? Come on. It's Maple Leaf Square, okay, call it Raptor Square, but Jurassic Park, come on.
2: Come on, Let's, you know there was a Jurassic World last year, right?
0: Yes, I know, but just- It was the, the number one movie of 2015. Fine, fine, Rudy. I know, when it was good, <laughs> I saw it. And the t Rex has gotten a
1: fight, that was great.
0: Yeah, would, but the name of the, like, the name, Dominus Rex, come on, it's the worst dinosaur
2: name <laughs> ever. Are we, we going to have a movie podcast after this? That was what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> hey, why not? But, I can debate <laughs> all day.
0: <laughs> Jurassic hey. Park? Come on, Civil I War just, was good. I
1: really enjoy. No, we'll move on. No, but, spoilers. Uh, really no spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, no, it's it's. There's a lot of superheroes, and they fight. Spider-Man's amazing in it. Uh, he's he's hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> that's, we're getting way off topic now. Uh, no,
0: I just Ru- I just don't like Jurassic Park. Okay, fair
1: enough. Rudy, uh, the Kevin brings that up, and this is I, I made a Facebook post the other day, and I don't want to talk about my Facebook post so much as as what I was implying is uh is this Canada's team or, or is it Toronto's team or or something in between.
2: Well, I think that uh, MLSC wants to make a Canada's team because uh, obvious, for obvious reasons, right? Uh, you have a bigger fan base. That means you have a bigger uh, base of money coming in. And, uh, you know, they're just following the Jays' uh, lead on this. So, you know, the Jays have kind of always, I mean, even when the Expos are around, they were, the Jays were the English candidates team. So, uh, you know, they had a much bigger marketplace than anyone else in, in MLB. And, of course, now that the Expos are gone, they become even uh, a bigger thing. So uh, you know the Raptors kind of just taking that lead and uh, become Canada's NBA team, and uh, yeah, I know it uh, kind of sticks in the craw of some people, but uh, you know I don't think I don't think the team is going to worry too much about it. They love as much support as they can get uh, in Toronto. We don't really mind uh, as long as people aren't uh, you know dissing us. But uh, you know for now it doesn't really matter because I think that the whole city is just getting behind it, and I think the country is kind of falling in line as well.
1: Yeah, looking at, and I think it helps the hockey situation this year. And I don't think we're going to talk about any hockey in the show today. But uh, certainly, without having any Canadian teams in, uh, in the playoffs other than Pittsburgh, there's not a real team that has any kind of following in Canada either in the hockey. So I think that's really boomed with the ratings. I think it was 1.5 million. It peaked out with the, with the Miami series. Uh, I suspect uh, if Toronto has any sniff against Cleveland, that those numbers might uh, broach that two million mark in this round. Um Kevin, you host the basketball show uh on SBN. uh so that's let's go to the the actual court and talk about the team here. like is there any hope for uh, Toronto doing more than many, winning maybe one game from your opi- opinion
0: I don't <laughs> I don't just because well not nothing on Toronto side well, even though it took a while for Toronto to get started in those playoffs, they won two series in game seven they played fourteen games. They had difficulty. They didn't have their superstars like Cal Larry, Rose Rosen, firing on all cylinders. It took them basically ten games to figure it out and finally get decent numbers. When you're looking at the, uh, the LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're eight and O in the playoff. They've played seven games less than uh, six games less. Sorry, than the Raptors. It's a big issue of rest, of freshness, of well confidence as well. Eight and O compared to. Uh, eight and six so that's a big difference we'll see but uh, nobody gives any credence to the fact that the Raptors beat Cavaliers twice this year and lost only once in the regular season Cavaliers are a different team in the playoff right now and if you're looking at the odds of winning the damn NBA Finals right now Toronto has the worst odds of the four remaining team at 40 to 1 to win the NBA Finals compared to 2 to 1 for Golden State 8 to 1 for uh, LeBron and the Cavaliers, and twenty to one for OKC.
1: Might put twenty to one on OKC. That's not a bad little bet, especially after the first game. Yeah. Uh, today on CBS.com, uh, they put a poll out. Uh, in the Gareth Wheeler from uh, TSN picked up on this, and it, it got a little traction this morning. So if you go on Twitter in Toronto, hashtag We the other is trending, and the reason for that, Rudy, is that. Uh, that uh, the that poll had three teams listed who will win the NBA title and other. Uh, so the three teams in the conference final and other, and uh, the team that was the other was Toronto. So we uh, we the other uh, is Toronto getting too little respect in your mind, Rudy?
2: It's always that case, isn't it? And it's not just Toronto. It's any Canadian team that plays in a cross border league uh, with you know obviously with the U.S. It, it's almost like it's almost like the exchange rate also works with uh, with Canadian teams too. So they get uh, you know eighty percent of the of the respect that they should. Um, it's kind of ridiculous because you think about the Toronto Raptors and 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 what they've done to get to this point, you know, they've been probably arguably uh, the top two team in the east over the past three or four years, you know, if not the best team in the east if we put their entire record together because the Cavaliers, uh, you know they, they were they're good now, but they I don't think they've been as consistent over the past three, four years. So um, it is kind of ridiculous, but it's also it's, it's also to be expected. Uh, a little bit of the American isolation isolationism uh, at work at play here, uh, which is kind of weird because it's not like the Raptors are, are a new franchise. They've been around for 20-some-odd years now, and uh, they had arguably the biggest superstar in the game in, in Vince Carter 15 years ago. So you'd think that would have led to some kind of momentum and at least uh, kind of put Toronto on, the, on equal footing with some of these other teams, but it, it just never seems to be that way. It's almost like, you know, here's the, here's the, the border and everything... Beyond the border, it does not matter uh, in, a, in a U.S. sports league, and we see it with other leagues as well. Um, I, you mentioned hockey before, and I think the NHL is kind of a, a, a culprit of that. You know, they're, they're all too happy to take um, all sorts of billions of dollars from Rogers uh, when it comes to when it comes to contract negotiations, but when it comes to TV scheduling always they're always giving, they're always giving uh, precedence to what NBC wants, even though NBC, I think only pays about half the money that uh, Rogers does to, to the NHL. So even real money, even real hard cash can't give the respect to Canadian uh, sports teams in cross t- in, in you know in the NHL. So how's it going to work in, in, in the NBA? It's just not. So it's to be expected. and I don't think that uh, the Raptors are going to care uh, because they, they kind of look at themselves as uh, kind of the underdogs anyway. And I think they they've kind of built themselves on it, especially the fan base as well. We've kind of built ourselves on this on this, uh, and I'm including myself in this on the, the kind of this underdog thing. Where you know, who's expecting Toronto to win anything in basketball? But we're still doing it, so hey.
1: Yeah, yeah the, We the Other was the nicest thing CBS probably yeah. did for the fan base. It galvanizes them right. And if they were to do anything in this round, um, you know, that, that's going to be embraced. I, I think that that's going to catch fire, uh, We the Other now. But uh, Rudy, I'll go back to you for this one. What are your expectations for this series, your realistic expectations? I know that I I am a pretty irrational Raptors fan. Um, people make fun of me for it. Um, you know, my girlfriend won't even watch the games with me because I'm so <laughs> up and down at this point. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, I, I kind of worry that... That they might get swept, but uh, I'm hopeful that they can get one. Uh, what are your realistic expectations?
2: Well, I, as I just mentioned, uh, I think uh, the Raptors are underdogs. I, I actually don't expect a sweep. I think the Raptors will win one or two. Um, and I think that the uh, momentum thing that uh, Kevin was mentioning before, I think it might actually go against the Cavaliers having to sit for so long. And uh, I think it actually works for the Raptors in the fact that uh, – you know, we've seen uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have pretty poor playoff uh, appearances two years in a row. And then this year, you know, they, they started off the same way. You know, everyone was, oh, you know, these guys aren't worth it. Uh, they're not worth max money. Either. These guys aren't real stars because they're not doing it in the playoffs. And it took them a while to figure that out. But now the two of them are rolling. You know, Kyle Lowry is looking like the Kyle Lowry that, that has dominated in the regular season over the past three years. And DeMar DeRozan, you know, he's he's still not shooting quite. Uh, the, his percentages aren't quite uh, what it should be. but. You know, he's kind of pulling the Kobe where he's, he's putting up a bunch of shots and putting down a, a bunch of points anyway, and uh, he's getting it done elsewhere. So um, I think that might actually help the Raptors in the fact that they, they almost needed to scrape and claw their way through a, a, a couple of series just to get their two big stars uh, back on track. And, you know, with, um, with Bismack Biombo kind of emerging as a star as well and uh, Jonas Valanciunas coming, uh, coming back, and uh, giving his brand of you know uh, big man uh, play, I, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as much of a pushover as everyone's expecting because uh, I think momentum has and, and mentality has a big uh, part to play in, in in playoff anything but playoff basketball especially. Uh,
1: it, Kevin, that's, let's take it one step further than that. Let's that, let's pretend the miracle happens, or even just don't. Just just talk about the East versus the West. <laughs> Is there any chance that either of these Eastern teams could, could compete in that final? I guess LeBron is LeBron, and you always don't want to discount him. But uh, in terms of of the overall understanding or your expectations, even if OKC goes through, will the Eastern uh, team not go in as a heavy underdog?
0: Yes, they would be the heavy underdog because looking at the type of season that both teams are left in, well... I would include the Spurs too because it was an upside though. Oklahoma beats uh, San Antonio. San Antonio had a great season but overshadowed by the best season ever of the Golden State Warriors. You take that season out, it's still an amazing season for the Spurs. So because of that reason, I was surprised that Oklahoma was able to gather the energy, maybe the energy of youth and the momentum and injuries on Spurs side that helped Oklahoma. But Oklahoma Golden State. It's a crazy series. Last night, Oklahoma won the first game 108-102. Golden State still looked good, had 13 points lead at the half. It's going to be one of the best playoff series ever. Those two teams, the type of basketball we're going to see, it's magical, it's beautiful, ball falling from everywhere on the court. It's it's just great to see. But going back to the NBA Finals against either the Cavaliers or the Raptors, ugh, they're the heavy underdogs. They're facing one of the best teams ever. doesn't matter who wins the West. They're going to be one of the best teams ever. And it's almost a given that the NBA final is going to be won in the Western Conference Championship.
1: Uh, Rudy, I'll ask you the same thing. I mean, obviously, LeBron is a superstar and he will be going back for a sixth straight title. Would that be enough to overcome some of those inherent disadvantages between either what many people are calling the greatest team in the history of the NBA, Bulls 95 aside, or uh, a team that would have pulled maybe one of the greatest upsets in the NBA off? Would, would Any chance for these East?
2: Uh, there's always a chance, right? I'm trying to pull my best uh, Jim Carrey impression here, but uh, I think the West, uh, whoever comes out of the West, and I still think it's going to be Golden State, uh, is just clearly, you know, clearly uh, has the big advantage. So uh, I think either of the East teams would just be happy to be there. Uh, I actually feel that Toronto would have a better chance against the West than than Cleveland, and that's not a rational thing. I think that's just a uh, an emotional and, and mental thing rather than uh, than any kind of rational stats I can point to.
1: Fair, fair enough. And, and Rudy, uh, uh, how crazy would Toronto be if we if if this we I, I just betrayed myself there? Yeah, if we <laughs> if we were to make the NBA final, how, how how insane would this city be?
2: It would be pretty insane. I mean, we're like we're already seeing it and. And it's funny to me to watch all these. I, I watch a lot of NBA broadcasts from around, uh, you know, from around elsewhere because uh, I won't say why. But anyway, uh, and and it's funny that the narrative is always, oh, what great fans uh, Toronto has, and it's so crazy to see these people out uh, in Jurassic Park and oh, sorry Maple Leaf Square, sorry Kevin. Uh, you know, <laughs> Thanks, Rudy. Just just uh, being being fans, and it's like, well, isn't that what fans are supposed to be? But so. To me, I think that will be the story because I think the Toronto Raptors fans have kind of made themselves a story over the past three seasons. and um, you know you add a championship possibility, a championship run possibility, and it's just kind of everyone jumps on the bandwagon and it just becomes a, a thing. So I, yeah, th- this city would be crazy, and I think uh, the NBA as a whole will fall in love with them and and then five years later they'll forget about it because that's what they did with Vince Carter. So uh, at least for the for the time being, it'll be great. All right. I'll ask this
1: of both of you, and then we'll we'll wrap up the basketball talk. Um, that's always the thing with the Raptors is, is whenever they've had some momentum going forward with the players, they've right. lost them. They've, they've lost their stars consistently. They have Lowry signed long term. DeMar comes up at the end of the year. We're not sure what's going there. They're going to have to figure out how to get Bismack back because he's been a key component to this. Not going to come back for the same money he's on now. Is this a team that's going to be able to build upon what they have or are they going to have to scramble to try and figure a way to, to maintain and to tread water? Rudy, I'll start with you.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to put any kind of, you know what? Messiah Jury's kind of to, he, he kind of earned my, my trust. You know, he's, he seems to every move he makes, he seems to, it seems to be the right one. Even the, even the misplaced, uh, Kyle Lowry trade that almost saw him move, move away a few years ago. Uh, it somehow worked out for the Raptors because then of course, uh, Lowry became a superstar afterwards. Um, it's just everything seems to be going right under this regime, and I, I, I firmly believe that they have some some kind of plan uh, for either bringing those guys back or getting proper replacements for them. So there's no reason for me to doubt that they can build on this momentum, uh, because as I mentioned, you know the the story of 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 Toronto being a place that really supports the sport and the game and the team, uh, and you know just being just being a great destination for players. I think that also helps. It, the the reputation that Toronto gets, and of course the Drake effect as well, it becomes a destination of choice for players. So uh, you, you know you may not see like big superstars come here, but I think you'll get those second level superstars, the kind we have right now with Kyle Lowry's and Demar Derozan's of the world, uh, be very interested in coming here and becoming bigger, like bigger stars in their own right. So I, I, I think that uh, Masai Ujiri and, and company have a plan A, B, and C to try to keep this momentum going.
1: Yeah, the the sort of the that's a new new model in the NBA to try and uh, build teams through sort of team concepts, and maybe that's what the Raptors have to do. Kevin, Kevin your thoughts on that question? Uh, can the Raptors continue to move forward, or, or will they struggle to uh, maintain the stars that they have?
0: It's interesting though, because they never made it to this point and to this scale of popularity, hype, and fandom. I would say, quote unquote, when you are looking at the stars of life, Vince Carter's, uh Tracy McGrady. Even this uh, Stuttermeyer is not the same player later on, but they never carried that momentum forward to 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 breach that glass ceiling and finally break through as a contender. Now they have an opportunity to do so. Imagine if they had one piece, one good piece, which is possible in the NBA with a lot of trades in the offseason and a lot of weird options on players and coaches um, on uh, the team side. So it's possible for the Raptors to get a game changer in the offseason. Players like uh, Durant, are mm-hmm. uh, a free agent this season so maybe with the presence of Oklahoma City in the conference championship is going to change but if you go back to 6 months ago he was talking about leaving and uh, mellow's guy there's always options out there so the raptors have a chance to break that glass ceiling and finally make it a not a team that's solid uh, in the front office, but a better reputation. The Masai Adjuri has a better reputation than the other GMs. They can build together and keep those stars. Let's face it, they have more money than they had before, too. So all those factors combined, I think they have a shot of becoming even bigger than they are uh, on all scales of things, making more fans than the rest of Canada, Montreal included. All those uh, pockets of fans across Canada will be really glad. Even if they win a game... This year is not the end goal, but if there's a constant growth and continues to become better and year after year they're in the conversation, I think we're not going to have that same feeling of, yeah, the Raptors are just, uh, it happens once in a while. They get streaky, they get hot for a couple of years, but then everybody forgets about it. I think it's, it's the opportunity they have is now and they have to do something about it. They cannot just uh, not sign DeRozan and be out back leaves and next year they finish eighth and barely qualify for the playoff. No, they have to take that opportunity. Uh, yeah, and I,
2: can I just jump in? I just yeah, wanna, go ahead. You mentioned uh, Kevin Durant there, uh, and uh, of course the Raptors have been kind of working on him through Drake for the past two or three years now, and they even got fined for doing it. Uh, Drake, of course, had him at uh, his OVO Fest here in Toronto about two years ago, and basically up on stage said, you know, you got to come join us. Uh, you know, without I'm, I'm saying it without the uh, <laughs> the expletives, but whatever. Uh, he basically said, you got to come join us in two years, and, and that that got the Raptors. Uh, the Raptors uh, organization fine and so on because he is technically their, their employee. So yeah, they've been planting the seeds for a while now. So that's why it's, it's all these things that have kind of made me believe in a as a, as a guy who's always been playing the long game anyway. And of course he's got some fortunate breaks. I always go back to the Kyle Lowry thing. They, they were on the verge of, of trading him away. And, uh, because uh, the New York Knicks are just a, a, you know, a a dumpster fire of a, of a franchise. They, they, they pissed that away. And of course he came back here and became a superstar. Now that's a a massive stroke of luck, but I, I still feel that uh, they're, they're playing the long game and, and, even if, even if it's not Durant, I think that they have a plan. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do this summer.
1: Yeah, the, the gay trade, the not getting the Lowry luck there. You even look at a, at the at the Biombo uh, signing in the offseason. There's savvy stuff that comes in sort of under the radar that he's really done to, to build this. I'll tell you this, and I'll finish with my thoughts real quick here. Um, watching the end of Game 7 the other day, I'm gonna fully admit it was emotional for a guy like myself that's been a day one fan of this team because I, I am a fan, pure and simple, of the Raptors, have been since the beginning. And it really, this team's always represented what Toronto is to me in many ways. So they started before TFC. TFC doesn't in other ways as well, in terms of what the crowd looks like and what the fan base looks like. It looks like what my Toronto is. It's a 416 kind of kind of team, right? And that's nothing against. The teams that are more 905-y in the city. Uh, but uh, you know what I mean, right? And it was just, it was nice to see a payoff. And it is gravy from here. Uh, it's going to be tough against Cleveland, but uh, it's kind of, I think, for this city and this fan base that's been down in the dumps a lot and, and had a lot of disappointments, playing an Eastern final, having the attention that they're going to get for those years is almost like a mini final of its own. And if they can build on that, obviously we'd like that. But uh, I'm going to just enjoy the next uh hopefully uh <laughs> six games or, or maybe or maybe maybe even seven if Dwayne, I can really dream.
0: Just to add to your point, you mentioned how it's a four one six city, it's a city it's a it's a team that represents the culture of and the vibe that Toronto feels when you're going. I would go further than that than saying it's a city it's a, sorry, it's a team and a league that represents the time that we live in. If you're looking at the NBA itself, it's always the first one to either go for different markets. The first one on the social media started the trends with the, the music, with the everything. It, it feels like it's a league of its time. And I wouldn't say it's the same case for all the other professional leagues in North America. So that makes it special as well.
1: All right. Let's take a quick break right now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about baseball. And the struggling Toronto Blue Jays, or the mediocre Toronto Blue Jays. I'm not sure where to go with that and maybe touch on the uh, the Euros a little bit because we got three soccer guys on the line here.
0: SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.
1: And welcome back to the roundtable. Let's start with baseball. It's all the talk here in this, what's well, not all the talk here in the city because it kind of got a little bit, uh, Uh, It's just just like when TFC made the playoffs last year and got overwhelmed by the fact that uh, the Jays were doing something. The Jays got overwhelmed by the Raptors winning game seven, but it's kind of hard to ignore uh, the brawl and the punch, which which is what the Texas Rangers fans are trying to claim here. Uh, Rudy, let's start with you and just get your overall impressions of, of what happened on Sunday between the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays. Was it just something that was inevitable and now it's done with and we can finally move on from the bat flip and all that sort of junk?
2: Is it, was it inevitable? I mean, really? Uh, to me, it was just stupid. Uh, yeah, I, they, they took aim at uh, Bautista, and you know, then he, he slides in Odor, and Odor takes an exception to that. And it's funny, because I think Jose Bautista was expecting a you know a regular baseball, air quote, brawl, you know, when everyone kind of like shoves each other and puffs out the chests and, and nobody does anything. But here comes Odor with the freaking, you know, Bring the up. right hook um, that everyone – Everyone outside of the Blue Jays uh, fandom seems to be cheering on. I mean, not everyone, but there, there's, uh, it seems to be quite a, a lot of people are, quite a lot of people hate Jose Bautista <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to get into it. But, uh, but as, as baseball punch concerned, it, it was the best I've ever seen. Oh, that's, yeah, for sure. But I don't think that Bautista was ready for it. But here's the thing it was a great, he connected well. Uh, you know, it, it was great. You saw his glasses flying off and his helmet flying off and everything, but it didn't really knock him down. And, he, you know, you see him today or, he, you know, he doesn't even have, like, he has a little tiny bruise. It wasn't even anything. So he just, as, just, as far <laughs> as punches go, it wasn't exactly the most uh, devastating, I would say. And at the beginning of the game last
0: night of Toronto, he actually touches his jaw in front of everyone when he first steps <laughs> on the first
2: inning. He's,
0: like, touching his chest, uh, his jaw. And he's like, I'm fine. It takes more than that of a man to knock me down, in his own words. But, yeah,
2: was, yeah uh, the, overall, the overall thing is, like, okay, first of all, it's a freaking, like, we're talking about, we're still talking about a bat flip. It was cool. It was cool when it happened. You know, I have the T-shirt. It's all great. Uh, you know, it's a great m- moment in in, in, the, in the you know the Blue Jays' history in sports, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. But like people talking about it is disrespectful. Is whatever. It, I, I I thought the same thing now as I thought then. It's like get over it. You know, the guy hit a home run and he celebrated. <laughs> and sometimes baseball and their unwritten rules, it 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 just annoys the hell out of me because you know it, you. Basically, they don't want anyone. To, they don't want anyone to act a certain way. And of course, you know, I'm not. I'm not even gonna get into the fact that you know this is a non-white guy that was doing that. So of course, if it was you know a lily-white guy from from middle America, it would have been great. But here's a you know here's a Latino a Latino guy that's daring to show some kind of a some kind of personality, and he gets vilified for it. And you know what? That's just a load of BS in my point in my point of view. And uh, to the fact that we're still talking about it in May of 2016 when it happened in October. And, and And it was the catalyst for a, an actual brawl. It's just absolutely ridiculous. and it, it speaks to a larger, uh kind of failing in, in, in the baseball culture, in my opinion. And yeah. I just want to say quickly, so ahead, too, uh, it's not like the
0: bat flip came in the first inning of a game that's unmeaningful. Well, exactly. that, would, that would be, like, insulting. No, it's the biggest moment almost of the franchise in the last two decades, where in a moment where the team just got adversity against them with a weird play, weird rule, and there's an opportunity, and he hit that home run, and he throws the bat. First of all, what's insulting
2: about a bat being thrown? Well, that's exactly it, right? I mean, he didn't throw it at the pitcher no, he just or threw at it the someone. He just threw it at everyone. When you hit a ball, you have to throw the ball, you have to throw the bat down on the ground anyway. So he just threw it with a little bit of gusto because he was excited, because the fans were going nuts, because he hit this massive home run. And, you know, it meant everything. And, and To me, it, it just, to expect him not to do anything like that is just ridiculous. Well, it, people outside yeah. of this
1: city and this fan base don't understand about that bat flip moment is it, it was bigger than that moment. It was... 20 years of sports frustration in this city bolted out and manifested into one bat flip that's why the city's embraced it so much it was all of the frustrations all of the you know Toronto fans are are maybe to a fault loyal to their teams and they've stuck with some pretty crappy teams for a long time and then finally they had a moment and that bat flip like I said it sort of encapsulated all of that frustration it's why it's been so embraced here and why people in Toronto just don't Understand or care to understand why anyone would be upset with it? It wasn't an ALCS game, for God's sakes. It wasn't like it was meaningless. I've heard that argument made by a lot of old grumpy, like Rudy. You make fun of me with the uh, Grandpa (laughs) Simpson. No, it's like that. It's like that's what we're hearing, like the Goose Gossage people out there. But you know, a man named Goose with a handlebar mustache is yelling at (laughs) someone for being being an attention whore.
2: Come on, exactly. Um, And they're old white guys. They're. I'm going to throw that on the table. They're old white guys that are that are. Getting angry at the, the, you know, the prime of his life, Latin man. Uh, You know, I don't like to make this about race, but I think there is an element of that underlying. It's even more than that. I think there, you know,
0: there's the feeling when you're, you feel embarrassed or ashamed and you don't know how to react and you feel you have to do something about it. But technically, you just got to get over it. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. The Rangers (laughs) waited for the last opportunity they had. After all the games they played each other, the last opportunity they had to do it, they did it. Because be like, ha ha. But you know what? I think it's silly. I think it's just uh, people that were embarrassed in a moment that they feel they should have done better and they weren't and they lost and they're so losers that don't know how to react in that moment. And yeah, we're going to get them back. And then there have been... Bumping themselves up for six months. Yeah. Next time we play each other. Yeah. Next time we sue. Yeah. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to wait four
2: games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we we'll do it at home in the last possible opportunity. That, I mean, if you're frustrated about a bat flip, Texas Rangers fans, all two of you that might be listening to this, <laughs> um, you should have not thrown the ball away three times in the, in the inning to set it up, and you should have pitched better to to Batista. There's your bottom line if you didn't want to see a bat flip, right? Like, you lost the game, uh, not because Batista threw a bat. You lost the game because you couldn't catch a ball and you couldn't pitch at the right time. So, anyway, moving on from that, let's talk about the Blue Jays in general and the season. Um, You know, the the old conversation here in Toronto is, is constantly, is it time to panic? Is it time to panic? Is it time to panic? And then you have... You know, kind of your more irrational fans going, no, it's never time to panic. That's remembered remember the 100-game mark last year, they were 500, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have, of course, your purer fans going, it's time to panic. So, Rudy, is it time to panic?
2: Is it time to panic? Um, if they don't make any moves... It's so weird to me. You know, they've they got such a potent lineup, but their pitching really sucks. Uh, at least the relief pitching really sucks. And if they don't do anything to do, to... to to kind of augment that, and then then it will be time to panic. But I think you can coast along right now, uh, as long as things don't get too far out of hand. You know, as long as the, the the top of the AL East doesn't get too too far down the horizon, then you can you can coast along. And of course, the 2015 Blue Jays kind of showed that. But uh, you know, you can't really you can't really uh, depend on that. You can't really depend on on you know getting players in trades that will turn seasons around because. That might not happen. So, um, while I don't think it's too, I don't think it's it's uh, panic time just yet. I think it's getting close. Um, I think within a month if you were to ask me this this question again and you know things are the same, then yes, I would say it's, it's time to panic. But because baseball plays a thousand games in a, in, a, in a season, it's not quite there yet.
1: All right, fair enough. Kevin, Kevin are you, what are your thoughts on the Blue Jays so far this year? Uh, do you think that this is a team that's just sort of in a bit of a slump, both on the relief uh, pitching side and, and some of their hitters, or, or do you think this is a, a team that when you take a price out of it, not that he's doing much this year, uh, that they just can't uh, compete the way they did at the end of last year?
0: I think there's something in this team since the offseason that we don't know yet, 100%. Uh, the, the whole Shapiro, Anthopoulos, Uh, players doesn't seem to be happy, the uh, Edwin Encarnacion situation, Batista situation at the end of the season. Last year, when you're looking at the Jays themselves, they never really were galvanized up until Antopolis did all those trades at the trade deadline and eventually got into a rhythm and to a craziest streak that I've ever seen. What was it, 27 out of 29 or something? Crazy amount of victories to finish the season. Do I see this repeating this season? No. Uh, Shapiro and the GM in place, don't have that same mentality that Indianapolis had to make a splash, make a name, make a reputation, get some fans. It's different this year, and I do feel that on the on the field it's gonna be a struggle just to trying to get into a position to maybe get a wild card spot, which is gonna be tough right now. So, all those factors combined, uh, the fact that Batista, Carnacion are gonna be free agent, oh, it's a lot of tough questions, and unfortunately because of their off season change in the front offices last after last season. They've put themselves in a situation where all the games that they did last year was not erased, but uh, dampened a little.
1: All right. Uh, Let's move move to uh, soccer, which those that – I don't know if anyone ever listens to the roundtable that doesn't listen to the rest of our network. But if you are out there as a unique listener, uh, we have a lot of soccer shows. We are soccer people on the Sports Podcasting Network, and we do have two very big tournaments that are starting in less than a month now. Uh, Rudy, of course, works for goal. Uh, This is his livelihood. So I'm going to ask you, Rudy, what what your uh, main – Talking points are main points. You'll be looking for in both the euros and the Copa Centro this uh, this summer what, what are you looking to see in those those two uh, tournaments?
2: I'm looking to see if France can get it done at home um, I'm looking to see if Germany can can uh, follow up on their success and 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 maybe get a, a Euro title as well and I'm looking to see if Belgium can actually uh, Can actually fulfill you know? what on paper looks like a great team, but they haven't really won anything yet. So those are the three things for me. in Euro. In Copa, I'm looking to see if Messi can win something with Argentina. I think that's the big story, because uh, Brazil, uh, Brazil is, is going to be quite weakened without Neymar and a couple others as well, but Neymar, of course, being the big one because, uh, because the Olympics are in, in Rio, and uh, the, you know, he wants to play in his home country for the Olympics. But, uh, so, so I think the opportunity there is there for Argentina to finally win a, you know, a big one. Uh, it's not the big one, but it's a big one. And I think Leo Messi needs this because he, uh, you know, everyone knows. I, 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 and I can't even argue this with anyone because I, I think they're wrong if they say otherwise, that Leo Messi is the greatest player right now. Uh, and, you know, Ronaldo's up there too, but I don't think he's quite there. I think I think Leo Messi is the guy, right? And um, it's always been a case of, oh, well, you can do it with Barcelona. How come you can't do it with anyone else? So I think this is going to give him an opportunity to actually do it with Argentina, you know, without having the, the so-called crutch of, of Barcelona and, and Suarez and Neymar and, and all those guys behind him. he's going got to have a few of those same guys behind him, of course, but uh, not to the extent that he has at, Bar- at Barca. Um, and to me, that's the thing. I, I think he wants to solidify his uh, reputation as a player outside of the club game, and I think, we're, I think he, he's got a very good chance of doing that. So I think that, that's my big story from Copa America yeah because because
1: going to the world cup final with the second best player in the team injured and, and not available in sergio aguero and taking germany to extra time that's not doing anything right rudy that's that's yeah clearly... no no
2: no. that's that's he's clearly trash because you know he took the team on its back yeah and they wouldn't even have, they wouldn't even have made it as far as they did if he didn't uh he didn't come up with timely goals and timely assists uh, in the in the run-up to it yes they weren't a dominant team argentina wasn't but uh if you look at how they got their goals that got them through to where they got them to, through, is, they all came through Messi. So uh, to me, he's already kind of established himself in the, in the pantheon up there with the, the Pele's and, and, and Diego Maradona's and Johan Cruyff of the world. But uh, for some people out there, they need to see some kind of international uh, silverware, and I think this is his best shot of doing it.
1: Yeah, take a look at that Argentine backline in the starting in the in the World yeah. Cup final. Okay, like De Michaelis was out there. God love him. You know that I have time for the boy, but uh, I don't know if he's quite uh, quite at the class of, you think of in the World Cup final. Kevin, uh, I think we're we're safe to say that uh, with soccer today, the the podcast that we're debuting in, in pilot form this month, uh, it will uh, launch in a full on during the uh, the European Championships and the Copa. What do you think we'll be talking about during those those uh, three or four weeks, Kevin?
0: Uh, a lot about soccer, a lot about uh, <laughs> Messi and uh, all the big names. Uh, maybe where is Zlatan going to go? Uh, MLS, maybe? Uh, maybe Philly? Probably not. More no. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Zlatan is not going to Philly. And more more correctly, not to Chester. <laughs> you should have seen Jim Curtin's My face man, when Paris, he was asked that question. Rudy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> really, earlier this week at the Impact game last weekend, you should have seen Jim Curtin's face when he was asked, do you think he's going to land Zlatan?
2: <laughs> yeah. That was that, was, that <laughs> yeah. was interesting. Yeah, the eyes tell the story. You're like,
0: uh, sure, we never know what can happen in MLS. <laughs>
2: are we talking about FIFA 16 or are we talking about real life? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but to go back to your question, Dwayne, uh, the Euros will be a very interesting. I love the fact that it's in France because of the, uh, well, usually the Euros are in the, the great – prime time for me because it's when I wake up it's about time to start so I can have my coffee and watch watch euro <laughs> so the timetable for that tournament is always well appreciated from my point of view
1: all right, fair enough. As I say, soccer today, we'll, we'll be back again for an episode tomorrow on Wednesday with the live call-in opportunity. And during the Euros and the Copas, we will be going out uh, daily during that time to, to launch the network and see whether, we, uh, whether people want that. So that's what's going to be happening in June, and uh, we'll be trying to get this uh, roundtable out a lot more to in the days ahead. Rudy, we do thank you again for your time. Uh, anything going on in goal you want to pump today before we let go? Uh, well,
2: tomorrow we've got uh, quite a slate of, of, of Canadian soccer games, don't we? Uh, you know, TFC hosts uh, NYCFC, and we got the the next leg of the of the Canadian ch- Championship uh, preliminary round, which I think Ottawa, you know, unless they, they pull an absolute uh, debacle of a of a collapse, they're gonna they're gonna advance that, and then uh, you know we're we're kind of inching towards the Euros and Copa, so it, it, we're we're ramping up that coverage there. So there's lots going on in the soccer world on goal.
1: All right, Rudy, thanks for your time. And uh, Kevin, I'll, I'll talk to you sometime soon.
0: <laughs> you were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.